It's time for the Fantasy Points Podcast, brought to you by FantasyPoints.com. Top-level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle, from numbers to the film room, with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Here we go, ready for the Week 14 Matchup Podcast here at FantasyPoints.com. Recording this on Wednesday nights. 7.34 Eastern, if you must know, December 8th. I'm John Hanson. Greg Cosell, he is here once again in the film room. Once again, also a reminder, this is just a tease in terms of the content that we get delivered by Greg Cosell from his film study and the like. We did a live stream at fantasypoints.com every Thursday night. We go over every matchup, me, Greg, and Adam Kaplan. And of course, we're all over it in terms of written content on the site, other podcasts, other DFS, uh, other live streams and the like. So check it all out, fantasypoints.com. We're going to be doing some specials uh, for subscriptions for 2022, but you can subscribe now to a free basic account and get a trial subscription for seven days. Uh, Do not tell anyone. That's our little secret. Greg, we are ready to go here, and we'll start with the Thursday night game just because you know, it's the first game of the week, but you, I don't believe, saw any tape from these two teams from last week. Is that correct? I saw um, the Steeler defense. Oh, okay. But, but obviously, it's not the same kind of defense they're going to play against Minnesota, John, because they just played Lamar Jackson. Yeah, no, no question about it. Uh, no Joe Hayden uh, for the Steelers. No uh, Adam Thielen for Minnesota. Have you... Have you noticed? I mean, you got a lot on your plate. You're not studying every single player, but have you noticed KJ Osborne at all this year? Well, it's funny you say that because I did KJ Osborne. He transferred from the University of Buffalo to the University of Miami for his last year in college. Okay. Yeah. And I liked him coming out for just what he is a number three receiver. I thought he had a chance to be a good NFL receiver. And so I've seen enough Minnesota. I just haven't seen him this past week. But I like K.J. Osborne, and I think that if Thielen is out, because they will throw the ball. I mean, they're not a team that just hands it off. Um, I think he'll step into that number two spot, and he'll get targets. Yeah, not bad. I mean, he's got – he can line up outside, inside. Yep. He, he runs seemingly a decent array of routes, you know, a sideline guy, boundary guy at times, um, also crossers and the like. I mean, maybe not a – stud by any stretch but as you said number three receiver looks like the Steelers are going to be just playing what I'm calling now Ben ball which is just put him in the gun and just sling it because they cannot run block to save their life Greg I don't know how recently you've seen their offense but last week was bad it's been bad you know I assume sometimes these offensive lines get better as the season progresses I don't think that's the case in Pittsburgh any thoughts there well you know, I was having this conversation with uh, uh, a friend of mine who's a coach, and there's also a feeling, and, and this is what I was speaking with the coach about, that Najee Harris really is not that good a back. I mm. mean, he's got no juice. Uh, he can't reaccelerate. He's a straight-line power back. He doesn't have particularly quick feet. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a grinder. So yeah. he's going to get carries, but 
he's not necessarily the kind of back that makes an offensive line better. And I think the feeling is yeah. that he's a great back. And therefore, if they're not running the ball well, it must be the offensive line's fault. Okay. Um, and again, I, you know, I'm just telling you what the tape shows about Najee Harris. I think that Najee Harris is not the kind of back that's going to give you a lot of 15, 18 yard runs. By the way, would you say Ramondre Stevenson has a lot more skills, has, running skills? Yes. He has quicker feet. Yeah. That's what I thought. Yes. That's a good thought there. Uh, Minnesota going to get Patrick Peterson back, but they're beatable. I kind of like Big Ben and the offense to do some good things. Deontay Johnson, it, it's it's amazing. You know, They take their shots, John. You know, it's interesting. I mean, you wouldn't call them a vertical passing game in a strict sense. It's not like they push it. But they do take their shots. Oh, they'll take some go routes on that outside, baby. Yeah, and Johnson dropped a touchdown last week. He did. He did. But, you know, I, I've been talking about this a little bit because we've been getting at fantasypoints.com, and, and you're always a part of this. But, you know, we've been nailing these sleeper receiver calls the last couple of years, really. I mean, this year with Elijah Moore, even Hollywood Brown, we've given like a lot of love to. Like Deontay, we were really I out in front. about Elijah Moore in, during the draft. Absolutely. But to me, Greg, it really is about the separation ability and the separation quick. There's so many different little elements involved, but man, just, just the ability to separate is huge. When you're open, quarterbacks know that and they're like, yeah, I'm throwing to that guy. And that's Deontay, right? Yeah, he does get open. And I think another factor with receivers, just talking general football for a moment, if we could, because there's a lot more quick game stuff. I think that the ability to play through contact is becoming an important, really important element too. Um, yeah. And, you know, someone like Elijah Moore showed that in college, by the way, it's one reason I liked him so much. Yeah. Nice. Well, yeah. I mean, he kid is a, has been a, a dynamo. It's it's really great. Uh, how about that Patriot bills game, Greg, you've been studying tape for 40 years. Do you recall a game with that few running back carries for one team? I mean, do you recall a game this this wild? Well, you know, here's the question I've been asking around today, and no one, of course, has an answer because <clears throat> Bill Belichick's not going to tell you. Do you think, John, that the game plan would have been exactly the same if the weather was 50 and sunny and beautiful? No, I would say no. Yeah, because that's the question I would love to know the answer to because if that's, if your answer is correct – there had to be a plan B because what happens if they couldn't run the ball? Yeah. I mean, maybe you do have some sort of, you know, you have some plan B in terms of some passing plays. Do you think this speaks at all to Mac Jones and perhaps some limitations, you know, in a bad weather game? It's one of two things. And we don't know the answer. It speaks to either Mac Jones or it speaks to Bill Belichick's firm belief that the Bills could not score against his defense. Hmm. Because the Bills' O-line, we've discussed this all year, is not very good, and the Bills cannot run the football. And the Bills wanted to run the football. They came out early in the game through their first two, three possessions, John, with six offensive linemen, two tight ends. They tried to go jumbo and run the ball, and they couldn't. Yeah. So, you know, that's going to be the downfall for the Bills is – is that they, their O-line is problematic and they can't run it. And having said all that, and you can do this with every game, I understand that. So I don't want people to think, oh, you're just saying what if, what if. 
you can do what if with every game. But I was very would have been very curious to see how it would have played out if Stephon Diggs caught that ridiculously good throw by Josh Allen for a touchdown, or if Tyler Bass didn't miss that field goal by two inches. And let's say that the Bills only needed a field goal on their final drive. Well, I would have said <clears throat> credit to the Bills for getting a W and good try by the Patriots. I wouldn't be ripping them, you know. No, they, no, I, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah, I'm just saying that you know it's it was a really assuming that that was Bill Belichick's approach. Regardless, okay, let's make that assumption. Yeah. Then. Um, you know, you certainly can lose games playing that way, and he didn't. So, therefore, it becomes a great strategy. But if Stefan Diggs happens to catch that ball, the strategy is no different, and perhaps they lose. Do we, do we still say that it was a great strategy? I would, because the game was very close, and that's, yeah. that is a potent offense. But <clears throat> we'll move on. But I'll go back to a game against Minnesota like 10, 12 years ago when they had – Clearly the best run D in football. I mean, they were a brick. I remember brick. that. I think they threw 20 consecutive passes. Exactly. So Belichick's yeah. like, I can't run it. I'm not going to run it. I'm not even going to try. So no. you could argue that maybe he looked at the weather and the wind. And he said, I got no shot at throwing the ball with Mac Jones. So I'm just going right. to run it. I mean, they, they ran 46 offensive plays, John. If you take away five Mac Jones runs of which like, two or three were sneaks and the others were kneel downs. That means they had 41 plays. 34 of the 41 plays were, were runs by Harrison Stevenson. Yeah. By the way, Stevenson had m- more good runs. He, he's he got a little Le'Veon Bell in him too, Greg, I think, with the, the light feet to your point there. He's got a lot of skill here, running skill here, vision, contact balance, power. I mean, this kid is a good runner. No, I like Stevenson. I I liked him coming out because uh, I w- did him coming out of Oklahoma, and uh, I think he's showing those traits in the NFL. For me, sometimes By there's the way, a – he's yeah. down to like 230, 225 pounds. I think he came in the league at about 240, 245. He's thinner than he was in his tape at Oklahoma. See, and I think that's what tripped me up and why I wasn't on him much in the preseason, uh, honestly. from you know, I looked at all your notes and all that. And I didn't th- say it was a stiff, but I, he was like one of my guys. Right, right. He's kind of been transformed a little bit, a la Le'Veon Bell. Uh, oh, no, his body, his body looks different to me. So, mm-hmm. again, I'm not you know, there with a scale, but he definitely weighs less than he did coming out of college. I mean, you just love watching the kid run. He's a professional runner as a rookie. Yep. Um, and uh, good pick. Um and Bills try to they'll try and run it this week again. They'll yeah, they'll try, but they're not going to succeed. Obviously against Tampa. But how did Josh Allen play? Otherwise, you know, I saw your notes and you know I saw the game. He missed some plays. It, yeah, it didn't seem like he played well. Yeah, I, you know, in that kind of game where yeah, it's hard, it's it's hard because he missed some things. Uh, I don't think he played badly, but in that game. In that kind of game, everything gets magnified, John. Sure, yeah. Everything yeah. gets magnified. And I'm grading on a curve, too, on my yeah. end. And and as we've discussed before, because they can't really run the ball, everything is Josh Allen. So everything gets magnified with him. Mm-hmm. So they're basically asking him to win every single game. And, and that's a hard that's a hard road to hose, they say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no question about it. Well, we can move on here. Um, I'm, I'm 
Brady and and the Bucks quickly on on that D since you I guess just watched. Uh... Yeah, I, I haven't seen the Bucks D this week, so I don't I don't know who's lined up for them in the secondary. You know if they've gotten people back. Oh no, I meant the 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 Bill D against oh, the Bills D. Yeah, Tampa. Uh, the Bills D will absolutely play better this week. Um, they've had two really bad run defense games. Um, this is not going to be a fun week in Buffalo land because I know Sean McDermott and Leslie Frazier. Um, they will play better this week. Now, obviously, they're playing a really good passing team, and they don't have Tredavious White. We don't know about the loss of White yet because of what happened on Monday night. <clears throat> I would expect a, um, I would expect Tampa to throw the ball a lot this week, John. I really would. Maybe not quite as much as they did against Atlanta, but I would expect them to throw it a lot. Uh, but but that Teron Johnson man, he's been he's pretty good, you know. He is good this week. They he obviously this was the first week since week six that they did not play nickel on every snap for obvious reasons. Uh, but they'll do that against Tampa. Let's move on here. The week fourteen matchup <laughs> podcast here at FantasyPoints.com. I'm John Hanson, Greg Cosell. If you're not a subscriber to FantasyPoints.com. What the hell are you doing? You can sign up for a free account right now. Just sign up for the basic free account. That'll trigger a seven-day trial subscription to the site. Uh, we, we touched on Elijah Moore uh, earlier, and uh, I know you watched that, Tate. Um, how did the Eagles treat him? Um, did they treat him like a, a, a number one? And how did he fare against Darius Slay? It seemed yeah. like it was an up-and-down game for him. You know, A lot of ups, but also some downs. It's hard to know. The Eagles did not treat him as a number one initially. Okay. But then when Steven Nelson got hurt because they had to put a rookie in, then they did travel slay with him, even though they didn't play a ton of man coverage. I don't think their initial game plan approach was treating more because Darius Slay played the left plays left corner. Steven Nelson plays right corner. Nelson got hurt. They put in the rookie McPherson. Then Slay would line up over Moore. But I, the Eagles did not go into the game, John, saying Moore is the guy we have to put Slay on him. That was not the case. How did Moore do when he was on Slay? Um, you know, he got thrown, I think, a couple of balls. And I think I remember him making a catch, if I'm not mistaken. He did run by Slay um, on a stutter go in the fourth quarter. This was a really nice route. He got on top of Slay, but uh, Wilson left the ball short due to pressure. But if it was a perfect throw, it would have been a touchdown because he, he got on top of him on the stutter go. What do you think of uh, Elijah Moore long-term going forward as a vertical guy? Like, we're not seeing that yet, but I know he you can will. do that. You will. I mean, he ran a four-three-five at his pro day. He can run. Yeah. And, he, and he had a lot of vertical routes in the SEC. So he can run as he develops um, – I mean, I don't know if he's, you know, he's not going to be just a vertical guy, obviously. Yeah. But I think he'll be able to get on top of people, yes. I mean, he's done better than Tyreek Hill in his rookie year, honestly. I mean, been more impactful. I mean, the, the talk about separation quickness, right? I mean, that's that's a big part of his game. Well, without question. You know, he's going to be a good receiver. Right? You know, much depends on the development of the quarterback to determine targets and, and production. But he's going to be a good receiver, absolutely. I thought Wilson, from my perspective, was better. Was this a step in the right direction last week for Zach Wilson? Um, I would say an incremental step in the right direction. Uh, he was a little cleaner at times with his mechanics. He was more decisive with his reads and his throws. 
He he must must learn to throw with pace and touch, John. He is a mm. one speed thrower right now, mm. and he must become more consistently precise with his ball placement. If those things don't happen, he'll make some throws because he's got a loose arm, and he'll make some plays with his feet because he's athletic. But he won't become a consistent player. So those are two things, two areas that he really needs to to get better at. And and but those are areas where like hard work, coaching, dedication, you feel like you can get there and he's got everything else. Well, you would think, yes. I mean, none of us can answer that. Um, he's obviously going to get the chance. He's the number two pick in the draft. They're not benching him and they're not going to bring in true competition for him. I mean, he will go in, no matter what happens through this season, he's going to go into his second year as the starting quarterback. Of course, I recently saw a photo of his girlfriend, and you know, if I was dating her, I probably wouldn't be in the film room either. So uh, we'll see, Greg. It's well, a- there's a lot of ways to respond to that, John, yeah. but I think it's best if we stick to football. Going to be a close call, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But I make analysis like that. One year, I predicted Eric Decker would retire. Um, I said, "What is he doing in New England? He's going to get in the dog days of August, and he's going to realize one day, sweating his ass off for Belichick. What am I doing? I- I'm married to Jesse James. What the hell, I retire." That's exactly what he did. I think I called that, Greg. <laughs> well, I don't think Zach Wilson's retiring anytime soon. That's true. That's true. He's not like – Decker was like 32 at the time. Cowboy offense here. I want to hit hit on this because everybody in fantasy is panicking about Zeke. And I – look, I'm worried too. He looked 46 on a run last week. But my contention has been I, I don't see any push up front with the O-line. Is that me or are you seeing that on tape? No, I don't think the Cowboy O-line has been good for a month, personally. Me too. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think – I mean, I don't think Zeke is what he was, you know, three or four years ago, but I would say the Cowboys O-line can st- continue to struggle to generate movement and push in the run game. And uh, and the other thing that stood out to me is the attached tight end, who yeah. you know, whoever it was, um, did not block the ends effectively. So the run game right now – is pretty static and ineffective. I know Pollard had the long run. That was more Pollard. It was an outside oh, run where he was able course. to get the edge. Yep. Um, I don't think their run game has been good for a month. Yep. And and then, therefore, correspondingly, it seems like Dak has been up and down. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. Um, yeah, they weren't very good on third. The problem is you get to too many third downs then, and, and that's, you know, that's a problem. They, they, they did not create any explosive plays. The, and, and one of the bigger issues for me, I don't know how they see it, is they're not really creating explosive plays on first down. Hmm. And that's the down you really want to attack defenses. And, and they're not really doing that. Well, good luck getting the running game going this week against the football team, right? They're still, yeah. despite their injuries, nasty up front. The football team is playing really well up front. I'm telling you right now, they are really playing well up front. Um, so it's going to have to be a that game. Tackles, Payne and Allen are, have been absolutely freaking dominant, John. These mm-hmm. guys are fun to watch. All right. Well, that game, I guess, that's how you, you they're going to have to throw it. You know, little little Dalton Schultz this week against the football team. They're, they're vulnerable. Well, one point I want to make about Washington, which I think is fascinating, they started the season playing a lot of man coverage. They were a high, higher percentage man coverage team relative to NFL teams. Then starting with their four-game winning streak when they beat Tampa, they have evolved into playing high, high percentage zone. And in fact, they play very little man coverage now, except on third down. And, you know, it depends on the number of third downs, but 
you know, let's say there's 10 third downs, maybe they play man on seven of them. So other than that, they don't really play man coverage. They are a zone defense now, and they've been very successful in this four-game winning streak. Yeah, it seemed like early in the year, William Jackson was getting beat. They go to doing what you're saying, and all of a sudden it seems like he's been better. And then I think back, wasn't William Jackson a zone corner with the Bengals? Uh, no, he played some man with the Bengals. Yeah. And in fact, I think they brought him in. I don't know this for a fact. I think they brought him in to play more man, and that's why they started the season that way. And whether it was because of him or just in general, they didn't feel they were playing it well. They really morphed into his own team. And I yep. think their rookie linebacker is really starting to flash, Jamin Davis. Oh, oh, nice. Yeah, I have not heard Jamin Davis's name much this year. Yeah, he, he's starting to flash a little bit. Yeah, it's so confusing with teams are – completely like redoing their offense or their deep, you know what I mean? Like we're seeing like dramatic changes in season here, I think in a lot of ways. Well, you know what? It's a long season. Players are getting hurt. You're learning about your play. You know, don't forget off season is less than it used to be. Training camp is different than it used to be. You can't do as much. And therefore I think coaches can't quite learn as much as they'd like to. So it, it, it now requires the games to learn all these things. Uh, you saw the um, the Cowboy defense while we're talking about it. You know, Micah Parsons, I guess they they moved him off the ball there, off the line, and put him at linebacker, and he was still damn good, huh? Yeah, and then – and I, I, I'm very curious. This is going to be one of the fascinating things to look for on uh, Sunday when they play against Washington. On third down against Taysom Hill, and it's because it's Taysom Hill – he was a spy on Taysom Hill. Mm. So they did not use him as an edge rusher. And now that they have Lawrence back and Gregory will be back this week and Gallimore will be back this week, um, I wonder what they'll do with Parsons when it comes to third down. I personally think he's been the best pass rusher in the NFL, the best edge pass rusher in the NFL through the first 13 weeks of the season. But I don't know what they'll do with him. That could be a tough spot without Logan Thomas there, man, because he was – he was helping out a lot of Antonio Gibson here. McLaurin has beaten this day. Uh, that'll be Diggs as it was last time, and McLaurin got him. So uh, moving on, Greg, uh, some other notes I wanted to get to. I see your note about Taysom Hill, by the way. That was my sleeper of the game, Traquan Smith, last week, and he was open for that touchdown. That was an easy touchdown. Easy touchdown. Damn it. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the just-missed plays. Like, yes. and how the narratives are so changed if this little thing came together on a oh, just missed play, you know? Without question. I mean, not only the narrative in fantasy, but just the narrative of games. Yeah, no. I, I, that always fascinates me. No one seems to care. You seem to care, but. Um, well, no, that's because I'm a process guy, John. That, that stuff is, really fascinates me. Well, it fascinates me because, uh, you know, I should have been a hero and everyone's like, oh, look at Handsome go. Uh, but no, they're like, this guy didn't know crap. Uh, he called Traquan Smith a sleeper. You know what I mean? That's frustrating. But uh, we digress. Uh, Raiders, uh, their offense, Josh Jacobs having to handle, uh, you know, a larger workload here. And Derek Carr, you know, I mean, it's like year nine with Derek Carr. I, I, this is what he is, Greg, right? I mean, yeah. I- Yeah, I mean, you know, it's a classic case of can you line up and play with Derek Carr? Obviously, yes, he's a he's a NFL quarterback. He's a professional quarterback. But I just think there's too much 
and I hate to use this word because everybody uses it. I was going to say inconsistency, but there's reasons for that. I put one down in my notes. You probably saw it. Too many plays in which he breaks down in the pocket with no pressure. He leaves throws on the field. He doesn't really drive the ball down the field unless it's truly by design and he mm, really sees right, it. Um, right. So, right. I, you know, <clears throat> can he have any a game where he, you know, because he isn't – because if you just look at his pure throwing talent, John. Yeah, it's Aaron Rodgers. Really high-level throwing talent. So yeah. he can have a great game anytime. And, you know, that's – I always say that's your job, not my job. Yeah, um, yeah. I so mean, I don't know when that's going to happen, but no. there's just – there's some flaws and inconsistencies in his game that make it such that he can also have some problematic games and you don't know when they're going to pop up. Yeah. It's a nightmare. It really is. And he's had success against KC. They're playing very well. I guess the question is, are the Raiders going to be willing to play the chiefs just like they played them three, four weeks ago when they got crushed? I guess they stayed within their comfort zone, which was not, those two high safety looks that have given them a lot of problems. Are we talking about the Chiefs offense? Or the Chiefs we're, we're talking about the Raiders and the Chiefs, and will the Raiders on defense play the same way that they, they played last month where the Chiefs killed them? Yeah, well, the Chiefs defense has really been uh, big time the last four or five weeks, as you know. I mean yeah. – you know, Steve Spagnuolo, it's not his first rodeo. He's been around the block. They struggled early in the season. I'm sure he's got some things figured out, made some adjustments that I, I don't know just from watching tape, you know, because a lot of that stuff can be very nuanced. You have to be in the room when they're coaching it. <clears throat> but their defense has really come on. Um, they've clearly increased their percentage of cover, too. That's one thing they've done. But I've also, I also think their D-line has played significantly better over the last month or so. Yeah, I mean, Frank Clark, right, has kind of been the man. Chris Jones has been really good, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you didn't watch Mahomes this past week, and it, it didn't look no, pretty. No, I did not. It didn't look pretty. Um, but he crushed the Raiders earlier in the year. Um, but, you know, it's just like we talked about on that live stream. Remember when you were saying that they've made some adjustments, he's been playing better, more in control. Yep. Taking what the defense gives them, and they're winning. Great. You know, there's nothing wrong, given that the way their defense is now playing. There's nothing wrong with winning 22-9 against Denver. And obviously, they only scored 15 offensive points. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, every game, and because Mahomes has been so special in the first part of his career, and, you know, won a Super Bowl, got to another, he's been so special. You know, everything does not have to be about him every second. You know, there's a defense out there. There's, you know, there's a run game out there. You, you know, just be efficient. Run the offense. The big plays will come back. Yeah, Don't they will force come back. Them. Let it all play out, you know. Yeah. Well, that's fantasy, Greg. Let's be honest here. It's we, not me. And by the way, at Fantasy Points, we did not advise to draft them. In fact, I had... Josh Allen ranked over Mahomes, which was very unique in the in the industry. Um, but the fantasy people are – it's just surreal because right. we're expecting 40 touchdowns and we're getting uh, Jake DeLome or something, you know, the last month and a half. Right. So. Oh, no, no. I know that. I mean, believe me. People thought, you know, this he'd come back this year and throw 50 touchdowns and he'd throw for – because there's an extra game, he'd throw for 5,500 yards. Well, that's not going to happen. 
No. And, and look, by the way, part of my analysis, and I had a bad vibe, was I didn't have a ton of faith in the weapons outside of Hill and Kelsey, and they they don't contribute, these receivers. They're, they can't be counted on. Um, maybe run the ball a little bit more. I think Clyde Edwards-Alaire looks pretty good for what it's worth. But how about Lamar Jackson as we move along here? Talk about another quarterback. Um, it, it seems like it's kind of the opposite. Like uh, Jackson, I guess it's all about the blitz and just just bringing the house against him, whereas Mahomes, it's kind of the opposite of that. But what are you seeing with Lamar? Yeah, Lamar's been struggling. Uh, since that Week 10 game against Miami, he's played three games because he missed the Chicago game. Teams have been blitzing him at a very high percentage. And again, it's not just him, John. It's it's the offense, but he is the quarterback. They're really having a hard time against blitz. Um, I think there there's he's missing so many things now. He's not seeing things. He's dropping his eyes. He's you know again, he's a, a spectacular, maybe the best we've ever seen at running with the ball. Okay, there are times he runs, and I'm like, oh, they got him, and all of a sudden, no one's near him, and I'm like, yeah. how did he do that? You know, right. Teleports. But, what's that? He teleports. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. But if those plays don't happen and they and, you know, sometimes they don't because they're they're somewhat yeah, true. random. True. Um, what do you have to fall back on right now? He's not seeing things. There's basic coverages that he's just I don't know. I, I said this in my notes. Is he not seeing it? Is he uncertain in the pocket? Um, there was a play in which. um it was set up for him to, to throw to Andrews matched against uh, Devin Bush and he didn't throw it to him. I think it was a third down play. Um, it, I, I don't know. I, I can't, I can't tell you why, but yeah. he's not playing very well right now. Well, I mean, he's been ill, you know, that, you right. know, he's a human being. I mean, our guy Kaplan was even when Kaplan brings it up as he did on Friday's show, I'm like, Oh wow. Cause he's not really a, a panicker by any stretch, but he was like, I'm worried about Lamar with his health. Um, it's just not, not good. Yeah, I don't I mean, know if he yeah, talked to anyone. Yeah, know what the deal is. Yeah. But in his last three games, he has 13 sacks, six interceptions, only 30 of his 69 completions, John, in those last three games have resulted in the first down. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, they, they almost came back and won. That was, that was a, a tough play there. TJ Watt in your face. Um, but it, it, it's a struggle that doesn't help that, you know, we're relying on Devontae Freeman in the running game. It looks pretty good, but, you know, probably would have been a big different story if you had J.K. Dobbins all year, you know, ripping out, popping off long runs and the like. Um, well, we'll see if Lamar can, you know, scratch and claw his way out of it. Um, it's going to be. Uh, That's a big game this weekend, the Browns and the uh, Steelers. Yeah, I mean. Wasn't a, fin- a fantasy offensive bonanza a couple of weeks ago. No, so. no, no. In fact, the Browns played that game, had a buy, and now they're right back playing the Ravens. I know. That's incredible. Ram offense quickly. Um, I, I see some changes here at receiver. Um, now, uh, basically, Van Jefferson has fully replaced Robert Woods. And, of course, uh, that's fitting because you compare him to Robert Woods. Uh, how did the Ram offense look? I, I love Sony Michelle in this offense. I look like they, and I've been saying it all year, but looked like they went heavy a little bit and ran it very well with Michelle. They did go heavy, John. 16 snaps with six alignment, given that prior to this game all season long, they played one snap with six alignment. So <clears throat> instead of trying to become more diverse, throwing it around out of 11 personnel, they decided to go with six alignment and run the football. Um, we'll see if that continues against Arizona. Um, 
My guess is it will to some extent. I can't sit here and say they'll have 16 snaps of six all-line personnel, but I, I think they're going to stick with it to a meaningful degree. That's probably good news uh, for Stafford. <clears throat> you know, stay, stay ahead of the down. Take a little pressure off and pick your spots a little bit more. Uh, O-line seems to be solid still. Uh, they they haven't really used him as a true tandem. They seem to want to go at one guy, but, man, it's just so inviting. You know, it's a nice little one-two punch, you know, Michelle and Henderson. Well, Henderson's been hurt. Oh, I know. Yeah. But I'm saying when Henderson's back, yeah, do – We don't know that. Yeah. Right. That's what I'm saying. You yeah. know, Michelle has had two games now where he's been the man. And he's been damn good, you know. So um, I'm just uh, supporting my Sonny Michelle preseason call here. Uh, Greg, I'm I'm not going to let go to it. I mean, hang <laughs> You're to hanging it, on uh, for dear life. It's for so dear last, life, baby. Last week, last week you had the 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 uh, the um, the rope was there for you, and and you were able to get pulled in with what twenty four for one twenty one, something like that. Yeah, well, it's been a really good year. Like I'm I'm on the right track with like almost everything. Even a guy like AJ Dillon, like I really right. liked him. Uh, he was affordable. I thought he would be impactful late in the year. We'll see. I mean, it's pretty good. You know, he's not going nuts. But uh, anywho, um, quickly, you, you saw the Niners and the Seahawks. Uh, any difference in Seattle? It seems to uh, maybe improved a little bit. But what did you see out of Seattle's offense well, last week? The one thing I saw was that they threw the ball to Metcalf and Lockett. Yeah. And, uh, you know, that, that's a, been a big bone of contention. I do Seattle radio and – you know, every week I have to, you know, they, they, they were giving excuses to why Metcalf and, and and Lockett weren't getting the ball with any kind of consistency. And I'm like, guys, you know, you can always throw the ball to a wide receiver. I mean, you know, that those are excuses. Um, so in the first play of the game, they threw a tunnel screen to Metcalf. But um, there you go. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> you can always get the ball to a wide receiver. That That's, you know, th- there's no excuse for that. Now, um, would you, by the way, with DK, would you say that, you know, he has some limitations as a receiver? I mean, I don't view him as being as complete as, let's say, Julio Jones. You mean Julio in his prime? In his prime. No, he's not Julio Jones. So um, what are the limitations, you know, uh, the lateral game, essentially? Um, <clears throat> You know, it's a good question because obviously he's big and he can run. Um I guess physically, maybe he doesn't have limitations. The question is, how can he overall develop? And because he hasn't been featured in their offense, which is surprising, Mm. it's hard to know that. Um, You would think he should be featured. You know, don't forget Julio Jones was a featured receiver for Atlanta for all those years. Yeah. Julio, you would know better than I, but Julio, it was a surprise if he didn't get nine or ten targets every week. A hundred percent. Yeah, no question. Yeah. But, I mean, he was a guy that the scouts and the, the community deems as a top three pick, whereas DK slid a little bit. So, you know. I, I, think, just, I think DK is considered more straight line. You know? Yeah, not yeah. not loose in the hips as, yeah, as loose yeah, in the yeah, hips. Yeah, yeah, Julio yeah. Julio is, is, would be considered much looser, more fluid, you know, can run more routes theoretically, you know, well. Yeah, I would say that's fair. Uh, how did, how is Jimmy G doing? Cause we're, we're another, now where it's like the week to week thing is on in my mind with, with, with their record and Jimmy G's play and Trey Lance waiting in the wings and, and how damn good does George Kittle look by the way? Yeah. Kittle looked great. You know, Jimmy G had, 
I mean, yeah, the one really bad interception to Wagner, I, I know the play. The other interception probably looked worse, but I understood what he was doing, um, and I understood why he threw it, but it looked really bad. And it made it look like who was he throwing it to, but I know what he was doing. Um, obviously, those were big plays in the game, obviously. Um, you know, I've said this before. I think the Niners are a team that, for the most part, offensively, John can only win one way. They've got to be able to run the ball. And the pass game works off that. And by that, yeah, I mean, sure. not that they run play action on every play, but think about the three-game winning streak they had prior to losing to Seattle. Garoppolo had 25, 22, and 19 pass attempts. That's what I think they want to be. If they start having to throw a lot more than that, that's not who they are, and I think they struggle to win. Now, does that opinion get more or less intense if it's Trey Lance starting? Like, do you have to run more with Trey Lance to do well, to set all up I Trey have Lance or Trey less? Lance's first start, which was the first Seattle game, when clearly uh, Kyle Shanahan didn't really want him throwing the ball. Sure, so I, sure you know, I don't sure. know where yeah. you know. Obviously, when Jimmy G has a bad game or a bad throw or they lose, everybody says, "Well, if Trey Lance was playing." No one has any idea what the case would be with Trey Lance. All we have is what the tape has shown us, and the tape is not particularly good yet. It probably yeah. will be at some point. But, you know, he's... He, How about this? How about saying it like this? If the Niners can't run the ball in a game that Jimmy G is playing in, you think, oh, that that's going to be a tough day for Jimmy G. But if they can't run it with Trey Lance, eh, maybe we still have a shot. Well, why would you have a shot if you can't run it with Trey Lance? Because, well, because Trey... The game the same as Jimmy G right now. Well, Trey Lance, you could do a couple design runs. He could rip off a 70-yard run. You know what oh, I mean? he could. He could. Yeah. 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 Possibly. Yeah. Just just spitballing here on uh, this decision, I guess, where they're at and, you know, these two players. But uh, overall, Jimmy G was uh, decent last yeah, week. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He made some yeah. throws. I mean, yeah. All right, we can end it here. It went a little longer, but uh, this was a good one. Um, just uh, part of the uh, process, if you will. We're still midweek on uh, Thursdays. Uh, you can check out the live stream with me, Greg, and Adam. We go over every game. And once again, if you're not a subscriber, go to fantasypoints.com, sign up for a free account. That's a basic account, no credit card needed. That'll trigger a seven day trial. And then keep an eye on your email for special offers for 2022. Greg, uh, great stuff. We'll talk to you next week. For Greg, I'm John. Good luck in week 14, final week of the regular season in fantasy. We'll catch you for the week 15 matchup podcast here at fantasypoints.com. Thanks for tuning in to this edition of the Fantasy Points Podcast. Remember to subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite platform. And come join the roster at FantasyPoints.com.